Hello and welcome to Runway Girl Network In Conversation, a deep dive into aviation and the passenger experience. I'm RGN Deputy Editor John Walton, and today I'm in conversation with Root Happy by ATP Co, Director of Airline Research, Jason Rabinowitz. Hello. Today we're talking seats, and in particular, the new generation of slimline seats that are making inroads into the passenger experience that we all see on the plane. But first, thanks to our sponsor. In Conversation is brought to you by Bolteron, a Simona company, purveyor of high-performance thermoplastics for tomorrow's aircraft interiors. Next time you settle into your seat on an airplane and pour the window shade closed, consider the colour, thinness and opacity of that material, designed precisely to keep the sunlight out so you can rest. That's Bolteron. Learn more at B-O-L-T-A-R-O-N dot com. Now, Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be back. Now, how much rest did you have on your way here to France? On uh, my way here to France, I had precisely zero seconds of rest. <laughs> there was not a moment that I thought I would be asleep, and I was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's that, uh, what was it, 5.30 p.m. departure from JFK? Um, 5.20 departure from JFK, landing Dublin around 4.30 a.m., about a two-hour connection, uh, to an Aer Lingus A320 down to Lyon. All pretty seamless, but pretty uh, pretty tiring. I heard you flew to Aeroflot on the connection as well. Well, sort of. It was a Aeroflot A320 that had been with the airline for nine years and that just made its way to Aer Lingus, which I don't think I've ever been on an Aer Lingus delivered A320. It's always been ex-Iberia, ex-Aeroflot, ex-somebody. Yeah, exactly. A lot of planes seem to end up with them. How was the seat on that plane? Forgettable. Yeah. Forgettable. I've had worse. The ex-Iberia aircraft that I had been on on Aer Lingus was one of the worst I had ever been on in my life. But the uh, the ex-Aeroflot one, it's not Aeroflot seats because they used to have um, a first-class cabin on this. This was all economy. And it was sufficient. I'd say maybe 30, 31 inches of pitch, but old-school style thick padded seats which were comfortable with the right legroom but many rows did not have the proper legroom right i mean how much do you have ahead of the wing right i was i was in row eight where i had probably 30 inches i moved up to row six where i actually had a noticeably larger amount of pitch probably around 31 plus at that point hmm. so that makes me think they may, might have taken out those first class seats and put in just the number of seats in economy they needed or something I, I guess yeah they whatever they need to do to uniform uh, unify it with the rest of their fleet i think don't know how many seats exactly but you obviously want it to all be the same well you'd like to right um and that sort of leads us onto our topic for today which is the new generation of slimline seats you know we've seen it at the aircraft interiors expo where we were about three weeks ago at this point. Give or take. Um, we've seen them at the expos for, for years. You know, people trying to, to, to say, look, here, airlines, this is, this is an option for you. You know, you can fit more people on in the same space. You can give more comfort uh, at the same pitch. Um, did you have a chance to sit in any of these new generation of seats? I had a few at uh, BE, now Rockwell, uh, Recaro, and a, a few others here and there. Mm-hmm. I, I got around to, to Jevon, uh, I got to the Recaro one that I think we both sat in, uh, I went around Miris and indeed Rockwell Collins. Oh, Miris too, I can't forget them. Yeah. Uh, Pitch also have one, uh, we talked about Acro, uh, Lift by Encore, who we've seen before them in, too, in yes. previous years. Uh, so yeah, I think the big, the, the big winner 
this year was certainly Jevon with its ascensor seat. You know, uh, hundred ships, hundred and ten ship sets for Wizz Air, the uh, European low cost carrier, and uh, fifty for the Lufthansa Group, uh, the, what they call the hub airline. So that's your your Lufthansa, your Austrian, and your Swiss. Right. Uh, did you have a chance to 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 go and see that one? I did. Um, first and foremost, I'm I just like that. Lufthansa Group is trying to unify its offerings, whether you're on Lufthansa or Swiss or Austrian, you're going to have the same experience, which I think goes a long way. I hate not knowing which seat am I going to get. Is the, the good slimline seat, the bad slimline seat, or not a slimline seat? At least this way, moving forward, we'll know. Right, exactly. Um, you know, one of the things that we've, we, we've seen with that sort of group of airlines in particular is that they have sort of been coalescing around that uh, Recaro product, right? The one that Lufthansa debuted in 2010, 2011. Yeah. Um, which is, if I've got my Nokia phones and my Recaro seats the right way around, the uh, Luf- uh, the Recaro BL3520. Um, now that one, uh, I happen to like it, um, but then again, I happen to fly it in the Lufthansa implementation. Um, those are now, you know, those seats are pretty well broken in. Um, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the structure and a lot of the comfort around the seat um, works better when some of the leather is a little bit more worn down, worn down, a little bit softer, a little bit lived in, yeah, uh, a little bit wabi sabi in Japanese aesthetic, I guess. Um, but you know, we've seen some other terrible ones. I mean, I know you're a what's the opposite of a fan? Um, a big anti fan yeah, of that Alaska fan, airline. I don't yeah. know if that's a thing, but I, <laughs> yeah. I, I hate that seat on Alaska because I primarily really only fly them transcon on a seven three, which isn't my favorite thing to do to begin with. But I feel like the seat back on that thing may have been plywood. <laughs> I, I don't know, but it was horribly uncomfortable up to hour five, six. And when you're doing New York to Seattle, it could be up to hour seven. Right. And I mean, I think this is possibly one of the reasons why I don't mind it and why a lot of folks in the States do. Um, it's purely the fact that I'm flying out in maybe two hours somewhere from Frankfurt or Munich. Right. Right. Then I get a chance to get off, I get a connection, I sit down in a different seat on the next flight and, you know, I've at least had the chance to, to adjust position and stretch. Um, but those, yeah, those those five-hour transcontinental flights, or even those Diag-Con flights, you know, you might... Yeah, five, five is a, a low-end number. I mean, the flights from JFK in, in New York out to Seattle are just as long, if not longer, than my flight from New York to Dublin on an A330. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a really interesting thing to talk to talk to to talk about, particularly when you're when you're comparing the different areas of the world. Um, the of course that, that Lufthansa seat has, as you say, that 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 little bit of a support structural problem, and also the narrower seven three seven cross section, right? Um, which you know is is a is a big issue when it comes to comes to elbow room. I mean, I know that when when you and I were talking about you know how you were going to get here, you're like, no, nope, not flying on those narrower seventeen inch seats. Nope. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so that's that sort of Recaro thing that Lufthansa used to have. Um, the, the Jevon is a huge improvement. Um, and a lot of that is around the structure of the seat. So um, it, it's things like the, the you've got your two uh, horizontal uh, perpendicular to the, to the centre line of the cabin, uh, two uh, horizontal uh, support structures, and the rear one is moved slightly forwards. That clears out from your uh, shin space in particular. Um, and nothing was um, made so clear to me when I uh, about that as when I flew to Dubai with Fly Dubai. They they had me on to see their uh, to see their new seven three seven Max, and I had to connect through Bucharest of all places. Of course you did, as you do. Well, I mean that's where they're flying the plane to, so that's where that's where you got to go. And uh, so I was I went from Lyon to Bucharest, and it was like a two three hour flight in a very old Blue Air seven three seven. 
um, with old seats but stuck at 29 inches and I couldn't get my knee on the inside of the aisle. I had to have my knee in the aisle while the crew were doing a uh, full buy on board service and everything. Of course. On my way back, I was on the Flight of my Max with those uh, Recaro long haul version um, sort of fully featured, fully featured at slimline seats. Um, and money's fit inside the inside the frame of the seat. Yeah, I mean, it's um, no secret that we've come a long way in slimline design, even from, would you call the Lufthansa seat a, a generation one product and we're up to two, three, maybe even four at this point? Yeah, something like that. I mean, that, that the early Lufthansa was definitely generation one. I think that Acro series three was probably gen two. Um, would, you, would you agree? Yeah. Um, series three, of course, is the one that, I know that I have some pictures on my phone from uh, a few years ago of everyone and their mother standing on those little tables that's on right. the back of the back of the seat. Um, but hey, that, I mean, and that one's that, that's back. Yeah. Um, Acro's back with it. They've uh, they, they're calling it uh, Series Three ST, um, which I'm I, that doesn't stand for slightly larger table, um, <laughs> but there is in fact a slightly larger table and one that looks a little bit more than just a. Uh, Suitable for a, for a cup of coffee. Yeah, and people a... love those little tray tables on Spirit. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, you're not going to be using a laptop on Spirit anyway at 28 inches. You could try. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah. So, look, you've got your, your horizontal structure is the improvement. You've got changing the backrest architecture. Um, you've got uh, new materials. You've got them shaved off by weight. Um, so, the, uh, that Recaro's new product, the BL3710, which is what in there... Uh, in their range is a sort of yeah, slightly premium short-haul product. Right. Um, so that's one kilo per passenger down on previous generations. But what they want is they want something that is... It, 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 what you've had previously is you've either had things that are very slimline or things that are really quite premium. And actually there's some, there's some open water in the middle of those. Um, and Ricaro is filling that with, with this new BL3710. Um, I have that Nokia. Did you have that Nokia? I think I might have on voice stream. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, these, these new architectures are very interesting. Um, of course, they're having to uh, be certified against increasingly stringent requirements. Um, I was talking to a number of people about the new neck injury criterion, um, which is uh, abbreviated as NIDGE. Um, and Hick and NIDGE. Hick and NIDGE. Um, it sounds, it sounds like a, a children's book, you know. Hick and Nidge go to the testing sled. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible things happen to the dummy. Um, but yeah, so that, that, that's getting really interesting. Um, I'm seeing a lot, of, uh, a, lot, a lot of companies having to adjust, particularly the things that are specifically passenger-facing. Yeah. Um, some of these uh, bright ideas around tablet holders and magazine racks turn out to be a little bit more problematic to certify, I think, than, than many people are thinking about. Um, so, we've talked about the Jevon, we've talked about the Recaro. Who else do we have in that category? We've got Acro. Acro. And that Series 3. But of course, Acro also has these more fully featured slimlines, like Enuzin will be taking. That's their Series 6, um, which has you know, recline, uh, it's got uh, significantly more cushioning, and indeed a table. Um, so, they're looking to, to, to round out their line as well. Um, we have the Pitch PF3000, um, which was making a few waves. Uh, this year. That one's another one of these seats where you sit down in it and you're like, this has to be a 31-inch seat. Right. Um, and and your knee's clear. And what is it, more like 20... And it's 29. Eight, 28, 29, it's, yeah. yeah. Um, they've, they've got a version that they can take down to 27. 
Please um, don't. No, please, please, please do not do that, airlines. Um, please, please do not do that. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's tight. That is tight. But it doesn't feel that much more tight than twenty nine inches on well, Who did. It may not at your knees, but it is at your face. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Um, but as you know, if if uh, I don't think anyone who's installing it at twenty seven inches is going to be putting IFE on the back of the. No, but just just visually, it's going to look very claustrophobic when you have the back of the seat is is literally twenty seven inches or less away from your face. Yes, yeah. just. Um, I, I've seen a couple of the seat makers doing something about that one though. Um, have you seen these? Uh, I, I guess sort of eye space recess wells yeah. behind the IFE screen. Um, oh, the floating monitor. The floating monitor. Yeah. Yes, that's that's much snappier. Yeah, um, rolls off the tongue. <laughs> So I think uh, the first one I saw that one was uh, the lift by encore lift, yeah. seat. I saw someone else with that this year. Zodiac. Zodiac. That that's year. right. Yes. Um, and actually, a very attractively branded. Um, you know, throw up some mood lighting and a bit of uh, coloured thermoplastic, uh, kind of way. But I was that that was actually very interesting to start seeing people really taking some so, so some time to think about. Okay, well, how can we make this eyeball to screen measurement? Uh, feel more spacious look if they can figure it out while simultaneously figuring out how to get passengers to not rip the screen out of the seat when they're trying to stand up i would love to see that in production yes that was the problem with the uh embraer e2 cabin um the 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 staggered version of that uh cabin product and it looked pretty won a crystal cabin award um but uh, they kept being ripped off the side of the problem yeah so that's uh, Lift by Encore. We had Miris back again. Miris. Um, the hawk is flying. The hawk is indeed flying. Um, now, I don't know about you, but my feelings on Miris are that their seat, you know, they, they took that little bit of extra time in production um, to carve out a bit of knee room, but it's not quite as um, engineered and probably therefore a little bit lighter uh, as some of the other products. Yeah. Um, now, I did like the uh, the thought that they were taking around design this year because they have their new R-Works design Yes, house. all sorts of different colors and patterns and fabrics and they were they were quite nice but I'm not sure the airlines that they're going after are the ones that really want to go that deep into the design of these seats. Yeah, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, I, I think that the, the question for someone like Miris is how do you persuade a low-cost carrier um, whether that has a big brand like AirAsia or a small brand like Blue Air. Blue Air, right? How do you persuade that carrier that what they want when they take their new planes, if indeed they're taking new planes, is a set of seats that literally cannot be resold? Right. Right? Um, because they're in, in Blue Air Blue or AirAsia Red, and they can't go from AirAsia to Jetstar because their reds are not orange. Right. Right? Um, that, that's a really interesting question. Now, how does that work if Mirrors can make those very cheaply? Um, and then that becomes a single operator life product. Right. Um, indeed, how does that work with some of these new initiatives we're seeing around seat provisioning? Whether that's the uh, supplier purchased, uh, sorry, supplier furnished equipment uh, that both Boeing and Airbus are, uh, are pushing, um, both both at the front and the back of the plane, um, or whether that's the new Lufthansa Technic lease your cabin. Yes, very interesting. Um, which is really interesting. Um, so if, if you haven't read the, the RGM piece that I wrote on that one, Lufthansa Technic is working with Zim to uh, put uh, cabins worth of uh, the Zim Unique seat 
uh, on any plane that you require. So let's say you're uh, an airline, you've inherited your your Aerlingus, say and you've inherited an old Aer- Aeroflot plane. Um, Unthinkable. But, uh, who'd have thought? And there's a few years left on the lease. You don't really want to make the capital investment, or perhaps you're a smaller airline, not in such great financial shape. You can't make that capital investment for a stack of brand new slimline seats. Well, Lufthansa Technic will lease them to you, much as you would lease, I imagine, a car. Kind of surprised this hasn't been a thing in the past. It seems like such a no-brainer, doesn't it? Well, particularly with the the growth of the leasing companies. Yeah. I mean, it, certainly, you know, Ryanair's entire business model is around being, um, taking things on lease, using them up, and moving them on, getting rid of them. Um, you know, so uh, there are a number of airlines who are in that that same kind of position. So yeah, it does surprise me. Um, but obviously, this has a lot of benefits. Um, and indeed, they're starting this with a Zim Unique, but uh, moving back. I'm to sure that, they'll expand. Oh, of course they will. Um, and in particular, one of the things that strikes me is that there'll be a lot of those Recaro BL3520, the, the old uh, Lufthansa original seats, um, coming back onto that second-hand market. Yeah. Um, and Lufthansa will have a stock of those. Um, might well indeed have some IP in there as well. Maybe. That let them uh, basically say, well, okay, we're, uh, we're ready to... Uh, license. To, to, to license yeah. this. Or to, to say, look, okay, we'll, we'll install this on your... On your aircraft, our Lufthansa Technic subsidiary. Could look good in your living room. Why not? Yeah. So, so there's that. I guess at the other end of that, um, that comfort spectrum in the slimline world, are things like the Zodiac Z400, um, which you know the, the the new thing this year was that I bought a screen yeah. floating monitor space. And then the Rockwell Collins Aspire, which returned a little bit more publicly than it was last year. Quite a bit more publicly. Yes. I was allowed to sit in it and take <laughs> pictures of it yes. and tweet about it. And it is very comfortable. It really is. Now, of course, we must say we sat in that in the Airbus A350 right. version. Or was it the... No, the, the, I, I said it in the 777 version. Right. Okay. The uh, marked up tenor breast for United right. version, which okay. is now flying. Yeah, which is indeed flying. Um, this is another one of those seats that... that you sit in it and you imagine it's 31, 32 inches and it turns out to be 30, 29. Yeah. Um, absolutely amazing. And it's that same uh, series of engineering advancements that's really let them move forward with that. Yeah, I'd like to try that out in uh, in the real world on that one United 777 that has it right now because that I feel that that seat is going to sell tremendously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and what's your take? Is that an upgrade from the existing United seat? Well, it's an automatic downgrade because they're going from nine abreast to ten abreast. So whatever you do, it's going to be less comfortable. Even with the extra space? Yes. Yeah. I need that extra width on the seat. It's not like we're going uh, shaving a, a little bit. We're going from 18 inch plus down to barely 17 at this point. Yeah. So if you're carving a little extra knee room out, I, I've already lost so much width that I'm going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Talk about the A350 though, and it's a totally different story. Right. I mean, it feels almost premium economy at that point. It's it's very good. I mean, there's a, a certain airline executive out there in the Middle East who likens his economy seat to premium economy. And while that is just ridiculous, I think this seat is as close as you're going to get to that being a reality. Yeah. And I think that we've seen with the A350 that there are airlines out there, your Air, Air Caraib, for example, which is a uh, French high leisure market operator. Um, it's got some... Uh, non-directile access flatbeds up front. 
It's got a middle cabin of nine abreast A380 seats. Regular economy seats. Regular economy seats, um, which is sold. It's it's uh, one of these uh, branded cabins, so it's not sold as premium economy or... Uh, or Sun anything. class, I think, uh, or something along those lines. No, there's uh, you've got your... Uh, class Madras, Class Soleil, is it? Um, I'm, I'm sure I'll have someone write in and uh, dites-moi s'il vous plaît exactly which one it is. And uh, yeah, and then you've got your your, your tenebras on the back of of those very tight old European charter airline configurations. But at least they pitch it at 32. Yeah. So what you lose in width, you gain back in pitch, which United is not doing on their triple seven refurbs. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I. Oof. I can't believe that. And what, and what I hope for Aspire is that people don't then think of Aspire as, ugh, that United seat, right? Because it is a great product. It is a true advancement in terms of the, um, in terms of passenger experience and economy. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be better than what United is operating on their domestic Tenebris 777s, which are like my least favorite aircraft operating in the entire world. Well, for, for so many reasons, whether that's up front on those old forwards, backwards, narrow bed things, or, or my, my favourite part of the entire economy class experience is the, uh, the overhead bells, which ring when you put your they arm on They fixed that. Did they? Did Finally, they, yeah. Did I they had, just turn um, them off? No, they actually redesigned the ridiculously poorly placed call bell and light buttons on the armor, so they're recessed quite a bit. So they're in the same place, but your knee, your your elbow can't jab it and hit the call bell every 15 seconds for a six-hour flight. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the pretty much the, the, the set of uh, new slimline economy car fleets that we've been seeing. Overall, what, what's your take? Are they a plus? Are they a minus? Well, they're definitely a plus. I think airlines are going to be reducing pitch no matter what. So if mm -hmm. we can claw back an extra inch or even two in some cases, yeah, it's a positive as long as it's still comfortable. And that's where we're heading. As opposed to a few years ago where we only had a few major seat suppliers, there are a lot of little guys out, here, out there now who are producing pretty good seats. Whereas... Just a few years ago, it was pretty much if you wanted to buy a slimline, you bought it from Recaro or BE, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, and I mean, we haven't included in our slimlines Pinnacle. Right. Um, uh, and and from, from my part, that's because I fly that thing so much on British Airways, and I loathe it with the passion of a thousand a fiery suns. No, it's, it's, there's something about it that, I mean, look, I'm, I'm six foot three, which is 190 centimetres. You're, how tall are you? Six, one, six, two. Uh, right, so we're tall people. It may be that we just hit the wrong part of that 95th percentile. Knee space, chin space, something there. But yeah, on British Airways, I end up sitting like my, you know, side saddle Downton Abbey maiden. Um, you know, my knees don't, don't, don't fit in those seats. Um, and I, I will be delighted when those are replaced by um, something that has a proper, a proper slim line. I what have... are they taking on their Neos? I, I don't recall at this moment. It's, it's, it's all been a seat, little bit fuzzy, hasn't it? Um, some, some, the suggestions came out, and I believe it was a Recaro slim line that they were taking on that. But, but don't, don't quote me on whether or not it was actually Recaro. Um, but it was certainly a, a, a very slim line slim line. Um, but there was some suggestion that they weren't going to put that ahead of the wing in what can be the Club Europe middle seat free. Oh, that's business right. They cabin. were going to split the cabin. And then there was a suggestion that that wasn't correct and that they were. And it's it. Until I see that thing on the plane, I'm I'm going to withhold my judgment. At least um, they installed power outlets. Yes. 
Um, if, it, if I had my druthers, I would much rather them install the ultra-slimline throughout the plane um, than to keep uh, the, the, the pinnacle at the pitch, the 30-inch pitch that it currently is. Yeah. Um, that's just, it's just nasty. It's not pleasant at all. Um, yeah. Now, and, and I take your point very much about the, the airlines uh, going tight anyway. I mean, Lufthansa went to 29 inches down the back of their uh, A320neos. Yep. Um, that, that last row with no window, with a slightly narrower seats because of the curve of the fuselage and the 29-inch pitch. Just like JetBlue did on their 320 um, reconfiguration. The last row has no window because there used to be a bathroom there. Right. Yes. Um, what's the latest on that, on that JetBlue Space Flex? They have finally... Finally, after years and years of delay, started flying their first reconfigured A320. Um, it, it's a little weird. They're breaking the 130 refurbs they're doing into two phases, where the first 12 are receiving a phase one retrofit, which was not the original plan. It's basically matching what they have on the A321, the all-core version. Right. The Live TV 4 system, which sucks in my opinion, but... Talos wasn't able to deliver on the STB Plus system, so they'll have Avant ready sometime next year when they switch over basically to what they actually wanted to do with uh, new seats. I can't recall the suppliers, but the first set is a different supplier than the second set. They're moving the power outlet. They're doing, um, doing proper IFE. The current one, Phase 1, does have Space Flex version 2 with the tiny labs in the back, though even though apparently nobody, even the CEO, likes it. Yeah, that's an interesting point, isn't it? This, this whole point of identification and what happens down the back. I mean, the, the crew obviously are not fans in, no. in the slightest. Passengers don't really like them. Um, you know, the, uh, the question of, of usability for those, for those seats, is, uh, for those laboratories, is also a, a very interesting question. Yeah, the, the laboratories are unfortunately small, but I think in the end of the day... The rest of the refurb on those 320s makes up for what might be happening with the labs because those 320s were disgustingly out of date. They were uncomfortable. The IFE didn't work. They were generations, plural, behind everyone else. Uh, yeah, I mean, and 34 inches of legroom only goes so far at that point. Right. If the seat cushion is so deformed and pressed over the years that it feels like a roller coaster seat, 34 inches of pitch doesn't help. Right. Now, that's, this is not an issue for JetBlue with their large amount of pitch, but one of the things that we're seeing as these slimlines cram more and more people into the plane is that the request of evacuation. Um, you know, you've got 240 people on a new Airbus uh, A321neo, or indeed, if I would imagine they'll sell you the cabin flex as a CO if yeah, you want one. Easy jets taking theirs with 235 to begin with. Yep. Um... I have some questions about whether or not you're going to be able to, 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 to truly get the right amount of people off in the right amount of time. And so does the U.S. federal government. In the uh, FAA reauthorization bill, they snuck in the SEAT Act, which will potentially, eventually maybe, set minimums for seat pitch and width. Doesn't really speak to the evacuation, but I, I think that has to all be tied in. Absolutely. Um, now, and I think there's also some questions... Um, that have been raised about the FAA in the last month, um, whether that's the um, 60 Minutes piece on Allegiant, whatever you happen to think about that one. 
Um, or around the uh, Southwest engine cowling issue, that second CFM engine that had the very similar uh, was a fan blade crack, crack which uh, ends up as an uncontained engine failure um, and, uh, and unfortunately killed that one passenger. Um, is the FAA, do you think, uh, monitoring this kind of seat certification well enough? Probably not, but I think the, the testing is flawed to begin with. When you do these tests, you have able-bodied people who know what they're doing. They know what their purpose is, and that's just that doesn't reflect reality of, of passengers on an aircraft today. I mean, anytime you actually see an evacuation, you're going to see passengers with bags. You're going to see people fighting and stumbling over each other. These evacuations are people that are primed and ready to jump out of their seats and get off the plane. It just doesn't reflect reality. I, I agree with you on that one, um, and I'm I'm not sure what the answer is because I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's uh, does should, does the FAA should the FAA and EASA and the other certification authorities mandate that there be some sort of uh, training around um, you know let's say uh, so many passengers have to be unawares or um, even things like you know I, I've seen a lot of these. Um, uh, Suits that, senior citizen suits, Yeah. right? It's a little exoskeleton thing that you put on um, and it simulates uh, rickety knees or uh, arthritic hands, that kind of thing. Um, I would be very interested to see some of the data around, around that. Yeah, as well as some transparency into the simulations they do, because most of these are not actually physically done. They're, they're simulated on computers right. and how, to what degree are they accounting for human behavior, which is fairly unpredictable and sometimes uh, counterproductive. Yes, I'd, I'd love to know more about how that's modelled in particular. Um, you know, I, I keep thinking back to the Airbus A380 uh, real-world test, where Airbus used uh, what was it, employees and gym members Yes. Um, to uh, for the evacuation. And in, in what doesn't seem to me to be a, a, a realistic scenario... They, because you have to do it in 90 seconds with 50% of the doors. And what was permitted was that 50% of the doors on just basically on one side of the aircraft didn't work. Now, that doesn't seem to me to be particularly realistic. No, I mean, look at any recent accident in, in, in the past that you see doors on the right not working, on the left not working. Some of the sides just don't work for whatever reason. There's no rhyme or reason to it. So that does, if you're primed and ready to go and you know the doors on the right side aren't working, that's not realistic. Yeah. I'm not sure that the, that the participants knew that it was going to be on the right side. Right. But um, the, the thing that I am particularly concerned about and remain concerned about, I've, I've, this is not a new concern of mine, is that as we identify down back, um, the number of people trying to get out of the two or indeed four rear doors right. or rear over window exits... Uh, increases quite significantly, yeah. and uh, I think it's, it's it's fair to say that those passengers will be more low information perhaps than your business class frequent flyer, um, and you know we've seen things like the uh, the wearing of the masks in the Southwest incident recently that people um, the, the safety briefing either is not uh, getting across the information needs to do or people just aren't paying attention. People just aren't paying attention even on Southwest with their with their snappy fun announcements um yeah it's a it's a really interesting question i think that's something that um in an ideal world the regulators would really be taking a good hard look at at this point um you know 
you and I both know, and, and look, our, our audience is a savvy audience um, and understands the industry. Um, I, you know, I just want to put a little bit of a flag that airline travel is still pretty much the safest thing that you can do on Earth. Yeah, it's probably safer than sitting on your deck all day in the sun. It certainly is. <laughs> um, yes, much less chance of being stung by a bee or... Uh, by lightning. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, look, more people are interested by lavatories each year than are by, toilet, than, right. than are by airplanes. So, um, with all that said, I, I don't think that at any point the industry should sit on its laurels. Um, and I, I think that going back to our Slimline Seats perspective, I think that there is some, some real thought to be given by regulators and those who, uh, those who supervise regulators, so our elected representatives, um, about whether or not these seats uh, are appropriately being certified in the same way that older seats that were further away right. were certified. Um, you know, you look at some of the dummies that are coming out of these seats for certifications of these seats that are very close. Well, there's just not the time to get to get accelerating. But what does that do to to, to the rest of the, um, the, the 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 passenger? Right. I mean, previously you just see you see the head pivoting forwards. Now the entire body just sort of moves forwards and sort of the, the arms start <laughs> flailing around. around. Yeah. It is the strangest thing to watch. It really is. Um, but uh, but yeah, that, I I think there is, and I would strongly support some some more uh, some more research and some some more transparency um, from regulators. I think there's a yeah transparency and regulation is good as as long as it's informed. What I've seen being trying to be passed in the U.S. unfortunately has seemed extremely uninformed and unwilling to listen to expert testimony on this kind of thing, which is unfortunate. They're doing the right thing, but I think they're going about it in the wrong way. Yeah, I think so. Um, more experts. We have not, contrary to popular belief, had enough of experts. No. Um, well, Jason, that is it for today's conversation. Uh, listeners, we hope you enjoyed it, and we are always keen to find out what you think. Please feel free to email me at john at runwaygirlnetwork.com with any suggestions. Thank you, Jason, for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me again. Where can our listeners find you if they want to, to yell at you or, or praise you or ask you any questions about if some of If you would stuff? like to yell at me, you can do that at, at Airline Flyer, F-L-Y-E-R, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or whatever other social media network is uh, popular today. Excellent. And as ever, you can find me on Twitter and the Instagram at thatjohn. Everything from Runway Girl Network is on Twitter at Runway Girl and indeed on Instagram at Runway Girl. And you can find us all at runwaygirlnetwork.com. If you are enjoying these conversations, please do leave a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends. And thank you very much indeed for listening. <laughs>